You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another edition of Sports Call Live on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Another shortened edition of Sports Call today as we have Smith Station softball coming up around 5 o'clock, 445 or so. Their first game of the year. Normally, they would air on FM Talk 93.9, but we got Tiger Talk moved to Wednesdays now for the remainder of the year until the second week of April. So with Tiger Talk being on FM Talk tonight, we'll move Smith Station softball right here. So we'll get off air around 445 or so. In the meantime, we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on at about 415. Of course, birthdays and sports nightly TV guide as always. And, of course, your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine tiger nine ryan tom and cam with you here today cam we'll start with you for the first time this week how are you doing sir doing great uh enjoyed a good weekend of sports and uh, obviously outside of the auburn loss i guess haven't been on the show since we've kind of um since that's went on and happened and uh yeah doing really good um just enjoying you know keeping up with nfl free agency and all that's got going on and um pro day Auburn's pro day being yesterday was uh was great to see all the players uh participate and and have a surprise guest have cam show up and um i'm sure that was really cool for all the all the players uh to see cam throw and and uh and kind of show his support and and kind of do his thing as well um so yeah i'm doing great tom how are you doing I, I'm doing good. Uh, got the little got a little sinus thing going on. This yeah, I, uh, got, I got that going on too. Yeah, you kind of hear it in your voice. You can hear it in my voice too. It's the uh, it's that time of the year, I guess. The most annoying time of year. I'm telling you, man. Uh, weather the, can't make up its yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. The weather can't make up its mind. You're going from uh, jeans and coats to shorts and sandals like within a day, and it just so. Uh, but uh, other than that, doing great and. Uh, uh, man, World Baseball Classic last night was was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that was that was a fun one. It didn't turn out good for the for the U.S., but uh, I mean, you couldn't have written the story any better than than the last out of the game with Shohei uh, Otani going up against uh, Mike Trout, the two teammates, two of the best players uh, in all of baseball, going head to head for the final out of that, and and Shohei throws just a disgusting slider Man. that strikes him out and, and japan wins so that was fun but uh yeah man Got a lot of stuff to talk about in a short period of time today absolutely let's get right to it uh yeah i did watch that world baseball classic last night in its entirety there was a lot of buzz around it this year it just felt like it was more uh digestible because it was 
uh, on the Fox networks and in, instead of just kind of MLB networks, so you got some more lead up to it instead of just like the final kind of being out there. Uh, so it was easily more consumed. And so I think the hype around it grew a lot quicker this year than, than leading up to the final. And certainly in the final last night with the USA and Japan, and look, people don't realize this because so many great uh, Major League Baseball players usually come from the Dominican Republic and, and Cuba and Puerto Rico and, and all these these countries uh, in Central America and, and, so, and some in South America. But they usually have this huge star power, but Japan actually won the first couple <laughs> World Baseball Classics right. back in like 05, 09, or 04, 08, somewhere in there. Uh, and they've obviously produced a few pros from time to time, very notable pros. Ichiro going back to around 2000, had someone like Hideo Nomo, yeah. uh, and then now recently, obviously, the, the legend that is Shohei Otani, and so Japan has been a very good baseball country. They have done very well in this event, so they win it for the third time last night, winning 3-2, to two. Uh, and I again, I, I watched every pitch of that one. It was a fantastic game. More people in Marlins Park than will be the remainder of the season. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it was a very enjoyable experience, and uh, we won't have to wait quite four years for it next time because of COVID. Everything moved back a year. It would have been 2022. It became 2023. And so it'll be 2026 the next time they have. So it'll be three years instead of four. Uh, but nevertheless, a very fun event. Japan did beat the U.S. 3-2, to two, but – a nice way to open up baseball yeah. in 2023. And Trey Turner with another home run. Gosh, yeah. He did. I mean, yeah. goodness lord, that guy's just hitting bombs. But he only hit the one. He didn't. He didn't do much of anything else the rest of the way. Um. So uh, yeah, uh, U.S. offense with just a loaded roster. I mean, that it's a basically a, a who's who of Major League Baseball players on that U.S. roster, uh, and they still couldn't get it done. So, I mean, that, that shows you how good that Japanese team was. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, obviously you want the U.S. to win, but I, I think it's pretty cool that Japan did win, actually. Um, putting, you know, just with how this has been and with Fox putting it on their, on their stations, and you're getting so much exposure for all of these athletes, not even just the big names, but, you know, the, representing their com- countries, uh, all of these players, like I, I remember seeing just on Instagram, there was a, a 21-year-old pitcher or something like that. Throwing 100, 100 for yeah, Japan. Yeah, and, and throwing 100 for Japan. And then there was another um, another uh, pitcher from a different country who I think struck out like – he struck out like three MLB players in a row. I think it was for Venezuela. And, and he got a, a contract or something like that in the minors. Uh, now, so he's playing in the, in the MLB minor leagues now, getting that opportunity because he got the exposure uh, playing in the World Baseball Classic. So things like that are really cool. Um, seeing all these players represent their countries, and um, yeah, it'll it'll be exciting. The World Baseball. I mean, I think it's just going to get more and more popular now. I, I I don't really know. You know, I, I don't really know if there's anything for baseball. I guess the Olympics, but I don't really know how baseball has really stacked up playing on a world stage like this. So I guess the World Baseball Classic is going to be that new thing um, that kind of when it comes to baseball and excitement, uh, this will be it. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be really cool to see it kind of grow and get more and more popular. And the environment was so great. All the players talked about how great the environment was. They'd never been a part of anything like that before. Um, and, and 
uh, just the excitement around it from all of from all the all countries. Everybody was was there to represent. It was it was really cool. Yeah, I, I think that when you looked at the participation of it, obviously the U.S. was really happy with all the bats that they had participate, but they did not have the same level no, of arms don't. participate. Right. Uh, and sometimes, look in this age where pitchers get injured more frequently. I think obviously that was the concern with, amongst all of them was, hey, I don't want to add stressful innings to an already right. long season in which some teams aren't even pitching their guys every fifth day anymore. Well, I, I think the excitement level of this might make those guys think right. differently. Now, I agree. you know, they might need to have some concessions for how much they're going to throw. You know, they, they may say, hey, I don't want to pitch more than a couple innings in any particular game or. I don't want to pitch till every fourth, fifth right. day if I'm in the bullpen. So, you know, they might have something go on there. Seem but to have to add more guys to the roster maybe just to keep the rotations. Right. Maybe. Well, yeah, and I mean, I don't know exactly what the roster limit is. But, right. You know, they might have, a, have to have a mix of guys. But I, I think it will help some of those guys come around to it. Now, again, certainly understand because different guys have different priorities. And some guys will probably be in the opinion that winning a World Series is the most important thing to them. Some guys might be of the opinion. We heard several yeah. uh, guys that have participated deep in the postseason say this was <clears throat> as good as an experience as being in a World Series, yep. uh, if not better for some like Trout that have not really gotten to play much in the playoffs. So uh, it was definitely incredible uh, environment, uh, definitely incredible competition. Do hate that the U.S. lost, but certainly built in with all the theater that, that we could have hoped for from a World Baseball Classic. And so, again, Japan defeating the U.S. 3-2 to two last night, but I think all of our eyes got on it at some point uh, or another. Let's go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, because I know uh, yesterday I was at the Montgomery Biscuit Stadium last night seeing Auburn and South Alabama, and we actually beat South Alabama 6-5 to five last night, and it was an amazing event of seeing Butch Thompson for the first time ever since the uh, pandemic of 2019 and seeing some of the new players that Auburn has produced with this new team. And I think that... Butch Thompson, I, I give him a lot of praise from last night's game, and I see great things coming out of this Auburn baseball program as well. So you had a fun time at the game last night? I actually did indeed, and with that fun experience that I had, I actually caught a foul ball, and I've got it, uh, brought it home with me as well. So that's a really good thing for me to keep for for as long as I can um, remember for a long time as well. Oh, well, congrats on catching that foul ball. Did Auburn or South Alabama hit it? Uh, I think that was Auburn that actually hit it. I think that was us that actually hit it as well, and I actually caught it, and I'm actually going to take this uh, foul ball to the A-Day game and let the uh, baseball players actually sign it, and on top of that, I'm actually going to be uh, putting this uh, ball with all the signatures from Auburn's uh, baseball team on eBay. So that's going to be a really Whoa. good thing as well. And if somebody wants to purchase it on eBay, I'm taking uh, the money from that and I'm actually uh, donating it to 
um, a huge organization that I'm a part that I'm trying to be a part of, which is helping out the men and women of this great uh, country that we that we love for all of their service and dedication that they're doing. All right, then, James, I, I, I see you there. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, getting ready to look at some, uh, well, not look at some uh, uh, March Madness tournaments, but actually just seeing, um, you know, some some great games uh, this coming up weekend and seeing if Alabama is going to advance over into the tournament into the next round of the tournament, which I will have to say no, because I actually have uh, San Diego State beating Alabama as well. And then for my uh, championship round I'm looking at, I'm looking at the sea of Texas. I'm looking at Texas and UCLA actually meeting up in the tournament in Houston. All right. So, uh, yeah, you gave us some of your bracket picks yesterday, and you're going – uh, how far? When do you think that Texas UCLA game would happen? Um, I'm looking at oh, because we're so far out right now from the month of March. So I'm looking at like the close call on on uh, if Texas could actually make it, you know, through the through the whole round as well. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed as well and uh, seeing uh, who's gonna actually be. Uh, the winner on my bottom half of the bracket as well. I got you. Yeah, I think Texas and UCLA would meet up in the final four if they were able uh, to keep advancing. But, of course, Texas has to get through Xavier first, and then uh, UCLA has to get through Gonzaga, and then there'll be a couple more games before that one will get played. Yes, as well, because I know with Gonzaga, I know it's going to be uh, – with Gonzaga, I know it's uh, – Tim, uh, Drew Timmy, so I think it will be his time to shine, but I'm not quite sure if Gonzaga would make it to the championship round because I know they made it to the championship uh, years ago, so I'm just going to like slide Gonzaga out and probably see who Gonzaga is playing against them. Who, who would uh, Gonzaga be playing against them this weekend as well? I got you. Well, obviously, they, yep, they got UCLA first, and then we will – we will see from there. I, I saw that your guy Luka Doncic is probably coming back tonight, uh, James. Um, yes, he is coming back. Um, I did uh, get uh, reports on that on my Twitter feed because I do follow uh, Dallas Mavericks, so I'm I'm hoping that he'll come back tonight because I know we do play. Um, I think we're playing on the road tonight against uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors, so I'm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he's going to actually, um, you know, win a lot for me as well because I know Kyrie Irving. He's not. He's on injury uh, on the injury list, so I'm not quite sure if he's going to be able to come back for this game tonight. Maybe uh, next week. So I'm just hoping and praying that we're going to actually win as well. We will see. Yeah, Dallas will host Golden State tonight. Golden State's been very bad on the road, so a good opportunity for Dallas, and that one's an important game. That one would get them the sixth place if they are able to win. One or two things. Uh, one or two more things for us, James, and we, we've got to let you go because we've got a short show today. Well, actually, I'm actually going to be getting ready for the 2023 A-Day game, so I'm hoping I'll see you all there in person as well. Yeah, we, we hope to get to go to that. Uh, we will we will see. We won't be going, you know, as a as a show or anything. We'd be going separately. But 
Uh, that is coming up in just over two weeks, I guess. So uh, it's about two and a half weeks, and hope to see a good crowd there. Yes, as well, because it will be my first time actually uh, being in Jordan Hare Stadium, and I would love to take a group photo with you all, and y'all can actually post it on your uh, Twitter feed as well. Yeah, we will. We will see if we're uh, if we end up going to that. We will certainly let you know. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, talk to y'all guys tomorrow. Sounds good, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate James for calling in today. We need to take our first time out of the show. Again, reminder of a short show today, getting off air around four forty-five. Also got Justin Ferguson coming up at four fifteen. When we come back, birthdays and sports, and we'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is andy bertram voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. Again, a shortened edition of the show. Tiger Talk moves to FM Talk 93.9 at 6 o'clock tonight, usually on Thursdays, but moves to Wednesday for the remaining four or five shows, which means we have moved Smith Station Softball to this station starting around 4.50 today. All right, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthday starts with J.J. Watt, who turns 34, former NFL defensive end, just recently retired, selected 11th overall in the 2011 draft by the Texans out of Wisconsin. Also played for the Arizona Cardinals, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year, five-time first-team All-Pro, second or two-time second-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time sacks leader, and was the Force Fumbles co-leader in 2018. Member of the 2010 All-Decades Team, or All-Decade Team, excuse me, 2011 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. While at Wisconsin, he was the Lot Trophy winner in 2010 and a first-team. All-American in 2010, J.J. Watt turns 34 today. Thomas Davis turns 40, former NFL linebacker, selected 14th overall in the 2005 NFL Draft by the Carolina Panthers out of Georgia. Also played for the Los Angeles Chargers and Washington football team. 2014 Walter Payton Man of the Year. 2015 First Team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, 2016 Bart Starr Award winner, at UGA, Davis was 2004 Consensus All-American, 2004 First Team All-SEC, and 2003 Second Team All-SEC. Thomas Davis turns 40 today. Brian Shaw turns 57, current assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers and former NBA guard. Selected 24th overall in the 1988 NBA Draft by the Boston Celtics out of UC Santa Barbara. 
Also play for the Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, Golden State Warriors, Philadelphia 76ers, Portland Trailblazers, and Los Angeles Lakers. Three-time NBA champion, 1989 NBA All-Rookie second teamer at UC Santa Barbara. Shaw was 1988 PCAA Player of the Year and first team All-PCAA. He has his number 22 retired by the Gauchos. As a coach, he is a two-time NBA champion. Brian Shaw turns 57 today. And Edwin Diaz turns 29, current pitcher for the New York Mets. Two-time All-Star, 2022 All-MLB First Teamer, two-time reliever of the year. Was the AL saves leader with the Mariners in 2018, who he also has played for. And unfortunately had a very bad injury in the World Baseball Classic, which sparked some debate, which I never really cared for. Uh, But Diaz probably out for the year for the Mets now. It's a tough way to have his World Baseball Classic in. Edwin Diaz turns 29 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, J.J. Watt, Thomas Davis, Brian Shaw, and Edwin Diaz. Good list of birthdays right there. All right, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show today. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line next up on the program. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for taking my phone call, and thanks for asking. Uh, doing much better uh, today. Uh, and um, you guys, how's your day been going? Pretty good. Yeah, so Pretty far, so good. good. All right, that's uh, Mr. Uh, Camberry. Yes. And Mr. Tom Peavy? Yeah, that is correct. All right. The usual suspects in. All right, guys. How about uh, Mr. Shedrick Jackson, what he did in Pro Day yesterday, right? Yeah, fast. 426 or something like that. Yeah. 4.25. They said this was broken the all time record that they have measured since when? Do you know how long, how far back that goes? I do not. Probably since Bo. I was wondering uh, did Bo do any better? Uh, I don't I, know. I, I, Officially I, yeah. or unofficially? Yeah, unofficially. Uh, I know one time there was unofficial, then there was an official. Uh, there was a controversy about which was uh, the, the legitimate one, right? Yes. Uh, so I guess we'll not settle that. But, I mean, that was, that was outstanding for Shedrick uh, to have done that. Oh, yeah. And what about uh, Mr. Cam Newton's uh, performance yesterday? I, I, I saw a video, didn't see all of it, that he... Uh, did uh, an acceptable, okay performance? Um, is that what you guys uh, take on that or not? Yeah, I, I, he made a couple of really impressive deep throws, uh, showed off the arm strength. He also had a couple throws that were high, like on some out routes that I, that I saw. Uh, so, I mean, look, you know, throwing against air, I mean, Cam proved he still has the arm strength. Uh, the, the, the passing part of his game was never the best part of his game. It was kind of the running coupled with right. some good passing. So, you know, he, he did fine. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I'm not sure that it convinced anyone that he's going to be a starter in the league. Okay. Uh, speaking of same with our football team, guys, I uh, read uh, a few minutes ago that uh, Camden Brown has decided uh, to do a, uh, the graduate transfer to uh, do the, the portal thing, right? Yes. Yes. I did not know that he only played one game. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a much lower recruit. Uh, you know, not really was getting the offers like like Auburn or Auburn's caliber. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of it just had Derrick to do with Derrick Brown, Brown yeah. his brother. So, uh, not too surprising that he hadn't been playing, and and certainly deserves the opportunity to go somewhere where he can. All right. Speaking of uh, transfer portals, guys, uh, 
I know I talked about Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan. Um, do you guys uh, see or sense any other of our players entering uh, the transfer portal? You know, it, it's always possible. I, <coughs> I think that uh, it was a Tiger Talk a couple weeks ago where one of the fans, they allow some fan questions at, at Baumhauer's and uh, somebody asked about the the future of the roster for Bruce and, and for the Auburn basketball team. And Bruce mentioned uh, by name Babatunde Akinbola being someone that he's going to pretty much encourage that if he wants to play, he needs to go somewhere else. And I think they'll have some conversations with, with a few guys yeah. and have honest conversations. And, and also it will depend on what Auburn tries to bring in. I, I think that they – could have a roster with five, six rotation guys back next year, or they could have a roster with only a couple. I, I think that it is a, a, a very much an unknown for guys like Flanagan, like Wendell Green Jr., like Katie Johnson. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, That's all I go. Let me tell you, those people, uh, can you tell me what's your sense of who's most likely uh, to be talked into maybe you need to go somewhere else? You know, uh, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, uh, Chris Moore. Uh, who else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, we could have a very long conversation yeah, with sure. this. <laughs> I, I think, and also, I think we all might have different opinions of this. Dylan Cardwell, right? I, I certainly think that not a couple of those guys are definitely gone. Uh, I would lean towards the most likely to be gone. You know, someone like Chris Moore, uh, someone like Alan Flanagan, who's kind of been testing draft waters for a while, and although his stock is not right. high at all right now. He he might just be done with college at this point. Um, you know, I there see KD. there could be a portal deal for KD. Uh, I mean, because look, all, all, you watch Auburn play this year, and it's clear that the guard play was not good enough to win a championship, and not good enough to uh, get all the way. Now KD played better at he the end of the up. year, uh, but but he was so volatile, but, guys. Right, you didn't but, know if you were going to get the crazy psychotic KD or the more you know, uh, controlled. Right, and that's what I was getting to. I was saying that while he played better at the end of the year, he did have a very abysmal first 20 games or so. Uh, And even in his successes last year, obviously there is this feast or famine element to his style of play either greatly enables you or greatly disables you, depending on, on what version you're getting, Uh, so that he might look at a portal opportunity. And and look, just – all those guards again, uh, very tough in the late late game situations to get difficult shots to go in. Um, not a lot of uh, of shooting. Period. Yeah. Uh, and, and so those are things that Auburn's going to be looking for, and, and they've got to do an internal evaluation if those guys are still on this team and that it can be developed out of them or if it's just they're they've hit their ceilings and they can't get that uh so portal you know it'll work both ways it'll work in in the form of telling guys that maybe this isn't the best situation for them anyone but but also they've got to be able to lock in on some portal guys because they're not all coming out of high school this year they got aiden hallway but they're big recruiting halls in two years and so they, they, they will have a great playmaker and great point guard coming in, but they still need shooting. They still need wing play. They could need a lot of things depending on how these conversations go. Yep. And, well, and, and I was going to get a consensus from you guys. Who would you not want to see leave? 
Not want to see not leave. Want, I don't want to see Jalen Williams. Yeah, leave. I don't yeah. want to see Jalen Williams. Janai, Janai still yeah. needs to be I, there, even though yeah, I think they, I think, I think Auburn locked need, in to stay. Uh, yeah, I think Auburn still needs to get like a what I keep calling a big big. Um, it, but I still don't want Janai to leave. I think he needs to be there. Uh, the one that I was going to say to keep an eye out on though is Wendell Green. Um, I mean, you got Aiden Holloway coming in here, and I think they fully expect that he's going to be the the point guard, uh, the, at least the point guard of the future. And you right. got some decent guys even and even on the bench that were coming off. And Trey, and, you could really see Trey getting a better role next year, honestly. Yeah, because you you saw what he could do with his playmaking ability if you can kind of develop that a little bit more. And um, and Chance Wesley, his shooting, will we get to see Chance, him? Chance, you'll get to see him. He's he said he's already he's already said that he's going to definitely come back. Um, he said he felt like himself. I don't know if you read that in-depth story that they did about him. Yeah. Um, he, he said he's going to come back. He feels like himself. Uh, he played really well in Israel, and we all saw that and know that he's capable of playing really well. It just seems like the injury just threw off everything that he had going. Um, so now he's he's putting on weight. He's back to his full strength. So we'll, we'll see what, what Bruce will be able to bring up out of him because he's a big guard, and, and that's something that's definitely going to be needed uh, moving forward. All right, guys. What? Because <laughs> I've never been a coach before, but you know, uh-huh. what can be done about the? I mean, just appalling, and that's under possible understatement. If I can't find any other word, appalling free throw uh, performances from all of our from all of our basketball players. I mean, what can be done about that? Yeah, I mean, practice. <laughs> I, well, I mean, free throws. Well, you can practice and practice the wrong way. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. I think everyone uh, – I shouldn't say everyone, but I think a lot of people do work at free throws. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's something that's – it's one of the easiest things well, to work working. on. Well, it ain't working. And some guys just just aren't good free throw shooters, yeah. and it doesn't matter how many you take when it, it's different in a game. And, and that's why practice and, – and that, that can go for other sports too. Practice is still – not everything, and, and you can practice great and play poorly, or vice versa. And for free throws, when you're practicing in a gym with only a dozen or, or two dozen people around, totally different, different than when eight to ten thousand people are watching. And, and that but when the majority, excuse me, when the majority of our basketball players, you know, barely make fifty percent, the only person you can rely on, I said, please, somebody just foul your window green because he's it. Nobody else can, can you put your money on. Well, I mean, fifty percent's a, a bit much. I mean, it's it's just Janiyah. Well, that's the way it seemed to me most of the time, guys. Really. Well, that's not how it was most of the time. Uh, you know, they still shot. I think it, it was not a good percentage, but still closer to seventy 60, as yeah, a team. 70. It was sixty. It was like sixty-eight or something like that, and uh, that is the the nature of college, college players. Where yeah, but our opponents were shooting eighty percent. When I saw their stats, you know, in the tournaments. Uh, sure, you can you can cherry pick games. However, you I mean there are a few games where they shot awesome. There's also games where they miss shots too. Uh, and look, Auburn obviously I'm not saying they were a good free throw team because clearly they weren't. But it's not something like Auburn didn't wake up and decide to be bad or not put in the effort there. They just had a couple of guys that shot a lot of free throws that weren't. If if, if you had only Wendell, Katie, and maybe Flanagan shooting them, then you would have had a great percentage. But if you have Janai Broom shoot a lot of them. You have Cardwell, big guys who traditionally do not so, shoot free yeah. throws as well. Then that's going to impact your percentage negatively. So big guys are, are much m- more likely to not be good foul shooters. And, and Auburn was a team that did not get to the line a whole lot. Uh, and when they did, it was Wendell or Janai Broom, who, but you know, one was great, one was not great. So 
I, I mean, that's not that's not really something that there's a whole lot of ways to be different in team philosophy. You you practice them, maybe you put in some noise elements when you practice them, but. I mean, the bottom line is they're 15-foot shots. The, the line doesn't move, and you don't get guarded. So you can practice those uh, whenever you want, yep. and, and sometimes it's not going to work out even when you go to a game. Okay, how about maybe a mild little shock wearing a collar around you when you're making <laughs> free throws, and every time you miss it, burr, no. <laughs> okay, all right. I, that was just being sarcastic there. All right, guys, real quickly. Today in sports, three things occurred in different years, and I want to see if you know what happened on this date. Uh, first involves golf. Hmm. I don't know. 1934, on this day, the first Masters Golf Tournament began. Okay. Yeah, I was alive then. I remember that. Oh, yeah. You remember that one? Okay. <laughs> I was good, there. Good to know you, you were with me there. All right, well, uh, the person who won it, um, do you know who his name was? Um, I didn't know. Ah, uh, I. Gene uh, Sarazen or something? No. Okay. no. His name was Horton Smith. He finished under par, uh, amazingly, four under par. But another person that was there, I didn't know this, uh, who actually uh, was one of the designers of the golf course, uh, Masters Golf Course. His name was who? Jones. Robert Trent Jones. Right. And uh, he didn't do too well. He finished 13th. Yep. Tie for 13th. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Another, for those of you uh, who love hockey, uh, occurred on this date in 1894. I, I'm, I'm not going to know. I w- I'm not Bill Bailey, unfortunately. Okay. First Stanley Cup championship was played. Oh, okay. In Montreal, Canada. And it was named after who? Sir Frederick Arthur Stanley, who right. was a of noble birth. And so he was made the governor uh, just reading from the History Channel, of Canada in 1888, and he loved hockey so much after watching it that he decided, we're going to play hockey and make it, it was actually a tournament originally. And the uh, original trophy uh, was used until 1962, and then that was it. It was put away, and then after that, they used, after 1961, one trophy. This is it. This is what I found really intriguing. In no other major league sport, is the actual only one trophy used. Their reproductions used. Did you know that? Uh, I don't think I did. Okay, but in this one, the Stanley Cup is the only major sport that the trophy is not reproduced. And this, guys, I know it's going to take long, but I didn't know they did this. When a team wins the cup, they are allowed, they being the, the team players, to hold on the trophy for one year and the name of every player, coach, and front office employee is inscribed onto the yes, cup. Yes, did know that. We did know that. Or at least, I did not yep. know that. And then each player and front office employee of the championship team is given 24 hours to have the cup in their possession, which they can take anywhere. And they're provided with a full-time escort provided by the Hockey Hall of Fame and they take them uh, any way they want to go, fishing, swimming pools. But this is what I confused about, guys. If they don't reproduce the actual trophy, then how? What do they do with? They say that their names are inscribable. Then how do they get rid of them? Because every year there's a different team, right? Uh, I mean, I just know that they are inscribed incredibly small. I do not know. I I, I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I don't. It didn't make sense to me because it says here that. 
this is the only trophy in major sports that is not reproduced. So it's only the same cup that's used every year. So I just well, if they inscribe the names, how much room is left? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay, I thought I was just wondering about that. I thought you maybe knew the answer. Okay, one other sport history occurred today in 1893 involves basketball. I was alive then, but I don't remember. Oh, come on. You were? My <laughs> gosh. You know, I wish I'd have known you back then, uh, Tom. Uh, it was the first women's college basketball game. Oh, okay. It was played where? At Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. And a bucket back then was worth one point. And they used what? A soccer ball. Oh, okay. Didn't know that one. Okay. Finally, guys, I teased you yesterday, so I thought I'd go ahead and let you know about what happened. A better cashed in on the Fairleigh Dickinson Purdue game. Okay, I don't know if you knew this, but it was appeared on fan sided. And this person, they don't name him and why he did this. Uh, he must be a wealthy, wealthy, maybe more than Charles Barkley, but he made a live wager. A half, about an hour after the, the tip off of $33,000. Okay. Okay. I bet he won now, a lot. Well, what. Occurred because of that, uh, the live wager cashed in at fifteen at plus fifteen hundred. Oh boy! Do you know what the payout was for this guy? I he did it on DK Sportsbook. Oh, what was it? Five hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. Heck yeah! Well, that's uh, all in a day's work. Now, guys, uh, I don't know what was this this person to do this. Maybe they were just alumni and had too much money laying around, or some band. Yeah. But uh, who who would do something like that? Three and why that number? Usually, you know, uh, when I bet it was even even amount, either you know twenty, thirty thousand, thirty five. Not not that kind of money, but I mean thirty three thousand. You know, you didn't go thirty or thirty five, but thirty three thousand. I I have no idea. I mean, that would That's be a gone. great question to ask that that uh, that gentleman that won. But that was unbelievable. So, so he played it live during the game and won that amount of money. So, with that being said, guys, I saw all the lines so far, and none of them were really, really, uh, you know, out, out of, uh, you know, even double digits. Even Alabama, I think, is only, what, a nine-point favorite? I, I, I have to double-check that, but, yeah, they, I, yeah I, I saw what you saw in single digits, yep. Yeah, most of them are five, five-and-a-half points. What do you make of that, guys? Because some of these, you know, like Alabama – should mop the floor with uh, who they're playing. San Diego State. Yeah, just the the nature of you had to win two tournament games to get here and a lot of unknowns as you get deeper in the tournament. And uh, I, 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 you know, I would certainly take the over there, but uh, you never know. It's still talking about neutral site games and, and you are talking about a deeper round the tournament. Now, unless I did read this, Brandon Miller has a pulled groin muscle. Uh, he was a little banged up uh, yeah, in that first game of the tournament. Now, he played against Maryland. He played better. He was not uh, maybe as good as he could be, but, but uh, he did play, so I, I think he'll be fine to play. I, I don't know if he'll be 100% or not. Okay, guys, that's all I got. Uh, last night, I thought we had it in the bag. Uh, the pitching got uh, rather uh, iffy at the end there, 6-5. Uh, to five. And uh, Gonzalez, we, uh, we just can't catch a break, can we? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for your time. And uh, 
You have a safe, relaxing afternoon, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. War Eagle, thanks for taking my phone call. Absolutely. War Eagle, that is retired. War Dam Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Only a couple minutes left in the hour now, so we'll stay right here. One, of the, one note in the free throw shooting, so what Auburn actually finished this year was, was practically 70%. Yeah, 70.2. I was looking at that, too. Uh, I've got on sports reference 69.6. Um, I'm looking at ESPN. I wonder if ESPN didn't count that last game because oh, since mine's a little did. lower and I know yeah. what Auburn shot in the last <laughs> yeah. game. But yeah. uh, any, yeah, right, regardless, honestly. right around 70%. It ranked about 250th in the country. It's not good, but it's also uh, a couple percent can mean 100 spots or so when you're talking about free throw shooting. Right. Uh, so – uh, I think it's a matter, again, uh, I went through all the guys. KD was at 70%. Flanagan was 74. Jalen Williams was like 76. Wendell yeah. was over 80. Uh, all, it was really just Janai Broom. And then Cardwell was at like 34. I know he didn't take many free throws, but uh, didn't make many free throws. Nope. So, uh, look, again, I know that people will always be mad at free throw shooting. It will always be something that people feel should be one of the easiest parts of the game right. and I, I certainly understand that is a shot that does not change it is the same length it is not contested uh but it is one Still of those tough. things when all eyes Pressure. are on you uh and, and look even in my little i can be this this is so insignificant I, it's it's not really worth mentioning but i'll mention it anyway i swear to you on a stack of bibles i could walk into that gym with no one around uh, as someone that played basketball in high school and played intramurals, I could shoot 80% if I shot sure. an open gym, 100 free throws, I'd make 80. Yeah. I promise you that when they counted in high school and in intramurals, I was closer to 55 or 60%. Right. So I can tell you it is different. It just is. Even for great college and pro athletes, I don't know why, but you just it's a different feeling when, when it matters the most. Yeah. Well, and, and I mentioned this yesterday when it comes to free throws. I mean, there have been some notoriously bad free throw shooters that have had very, very good NBA careers. Right. But it's always typically the big guys. For whatever reason, the big men. Are, big men. And that's why Janai, you know, was the culprit in, the, in that last game. But uh, if you go through the all-time worst – Free throw shooters in the NBA. Yeah, Shaq up there. They're all big men. Well, yeah, Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain was one of the worst. Will Chamberlain missed over five thousand free throws in his Sheesh. career. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, for some reason the big men have trouble right. with that well, touch. Think about the bigger hands. So yeah. You're shooting something that's a little ratio wise, a little different, and also you've got more muscle to control. I yeah. mean, I don't know spitball in here. You've got. You got more stuff. You've got to calm down. You right. you're big and strong. You can shoot it further than the small guys usually can. Right. So when you're when you're closer, you got to put more touch on it. There's a there's less on the shot meter type of deal. Man, it's it's. Um, well, a lot of times those big the big men like that that bang around inside are not having to use a um, a shooting form. I mean, they're right there at the basket. So I mean, it's a lot of tip ins. It's a lot of layups. A lot of dunks. Yeah, they're, a lot of them are not having to use you know the actual shooting technique, shooting motion, it, right? Yeah. The shooting motion. So then when you see them get at the line, like Shaq, Ooh. just look like an absolute cluster <laughs> trying to shoot Awful. a basketball. Yeah, it it just frustrates. Yeah, I mean it's frustrating. Like you said, Ryan, totally understandable um, because free throws they're free. Um, Really, I was never really concerned about the the big the big men missing their free throws um, because it's just so common that they do. Um, I was more frustrated when the guards would miss free throws. Um, Wendell, totally good free throw shooter, but you know, just 
all the guards when they struggled and when they missed their free throws, I'd be like, "Come on, man, free throws—they're free." You yeah. know, just you spend more time yeah, out there. Your guard—that's yeah. that's something that a guard should be. You know, a seventy-five to eighty percent free throw shooter. We need to take our end of hour break back with a shortened and final hour number two in just a moment. But as we go to break, call in right now if you want. Four tickets to Auburn baseball against Georgia Friday night inside of Plainsman Park. That's a 6 o'clock first pitch. The first caller right now to 334-887-3401. Four tickets to Auburn and Georgia baseball Friday night inside of Plainsman Park. Out of time for hour number one. Coming right back after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second and final hour of Sports Call starting right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoie, and I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here. Again, we're going off air around 4.40 or 4.45 today with... Smith Station softball on the airs. Brent uh, on the airways. Brent Daughtry will be on the call of that one again. Justin Ferguson coming up in just about ten or fifteen minutes. So without further ado, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up on the show today, Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey guys, doing great. Beautiful day. Um, just sitting out on my porch enjoying the. The uh, peaceful uh, birds burping and all that good stuff. So yes, I'm, sir. I'm, hey, uh, help me with something, guys. NCAA players, I don't you know, football, basketball, how many years can they play now in college? So those that were on the uh, on a 2020 roster, uh, that uh, so basically guys that started 2020 and earlier. Uh, can be on five years, uh, and then if they were injured uh, and, and needed a medical redshirt or uh, a traditional redshirt where they didn't play and took one, so technically they can be on six years uh, without any sort of extenuating circumstances, but five uh, with with the COVID year. They have to be enrolled in the school to uh, to do that? Yeah, they, they had to have been on a team uh, for the 2020 uh, year because if they started say last year, well then COVID would not have affected. Uh, affected them. But even if they were just a freshman on that team, well that season yeah. still got jeopardized, so it still counts for them. Okay, so I, I know I, I heard uh, a while back that uh, John Quinterly could still back another year. It seems like he's been in Alabama for five years. I know he played at Villanova for 
for one year. And then, uh, you know, is Bo Nick still playing out at Oregon? Yeah, he's yes. got another year. Yeah, he uh, because he got, of COVID. He still, he still got that NIL contract with Milo's. Do they, do they drink Milo's? <laughs> I'm curious. I, I doubt it. I doubt they drink sweet tea the way we do down here. Uh, so, not many, not many people do uh, in the right. south. I went north one time, ordered uh, sweet tea, and they looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. So uh, I even ordered a half and half, and they still didn't know what that meant. So, <laughs> but, um, okay. One other question, and, and you know, numbers I'm not good with. So let me ask you guys a question. I'm just going to use a hypothetical number, uh, and we're talking professional sports. Uh, let's just say we're going to use the New York Jets, okay? Okay. So, and this is hypothetical. So they uh, offer Aaron Rodgers $100 million to come play and $30 million guaranteed. Okay. W- when an athlete gets offered Hundred million, and then thirty guaranteed. Does that mean no matter what that that organization has to play pay that player thirty million dollars, yes. whether they play or not? Yeah, it's more like a signing bonus or something they're given to immediately. I mean, it can come in different forms and fashions, but yes, thirty million no matter what. So let me let me ask this question: All these professional athletes really make, I guess, really good money. How does an organization keep their head above water? I mean, let, let, let me go. Let's let's take a step back. Let's let's, let's talk about the Falcons for a minute. Y- y'all guys uh, maybe have been to a Falcons game or a Buccaneers. I've been to many. Okay, so how much is a ticket to go watch the Falcons play football? Uh, it varies on also who they're playing, um, but I'd probably say, I mean, at least a hundred dollars. Okay, so they sell enough tickets. And they, that that they're profitable. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would say every yeah. Because just amazing to me. Well, because okay, look at it this way. Now, if every ticket were to average a hundred dollars, which <coughs> they do not, I mean, those, that's going to be the cheaper end for any NFL right. team. Yep. But if they averaged one hundred dollars, remember they have nine home games. Well, really ten if you count preseason, but nine home yep. games. So okay. you're you're looking if they just average a hundred dollars a ticket for their sixty five thousand seats that'd be six point five million, and then you times that by nine just off of the the bottom level tickets you'd make fifty eight point five million off of tickets. Now that doesn't include merchandising, parking, parking uh, obviously food, Drinks, all that. Yep. And then on top of that, remember you get a big revenue share from the TV rights from the National Football League. Okay. Uh, and and and, all, and, all, and big media deal. So they it's make multiple sources of it, income to I, make the team. I, I don't know what their bottom line is on net income, but just in revenue, uh, they they they've got to make a billion dollars plus. I mean, they 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 make a, a ton of money. Okay. Well, I, you know, I never thought about it that way. I just think of how much money these professional athletes make, and um, and then you know, and and some of them do really good. I, I'm, I'm not. You know, I guess if you can get it, go get it. I, I, I'd be the same way. I'm, I'm going to get every million I could get, I guess, uh, which I ain't seen that in a lifetime yet. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we're, we're working toward that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I just uh, I got to thinking about that. And, you know, I, the Saints keep coming to my mind back in the 80s when they were the ain'ts. Of course, I know times have changed a lot. <laughs> I still call them that. <laughs> the 80s. 
but uh it, yeah anyway guys i just thought that was uh, i wanted to ask that question and you know i wasn't sure about ncaa with how many years somebody could play because it seems like i've seen players play forever and they're still playing you know yeah. and they still coming back and i'm like okay at what point uh i've got a kick i don't know if y'all saw this or not i thought it was kind of ironic um with alan flanagan i might have saw it on twitter he was asked after maybe after the Houston game or maybe the game before that uh, what he thought about uh, Kelvin uh, Sampson. Yeah, Kelvin Sampson, and, and now, this is a kid that's what twenty two or twenty three years old, and right. he said he didn't clue who that was. Right. I, I can't fathom that. How do you how do you not know the team you're playing and and, and, and who the coach is? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I definitely know. Be honest with you, I, I don't think he was honest with that. I think he probably knew, but uh, I mean, his dad's on staff, but that don't they communicate. But you know, I just like, are you kidding me? You don't know who Kevin Sampson is? You just played against him and lost. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely done before. I mean, it was before the Houston game. Okay, uh, it was right. It was after the Iowa game. I, I think it was maybe the Friday or Saturday. And yeah, uh, yeah uh, I, I, I again, yes, I'm surprised if he truly didn't know who that was. Yeah, uh, I don't. Some some guys though will surprise you that they actually really don't watch the sport much that they play in. I, I know that that yeah. sounds weird, but some guys don't. Yeah. One last thing, and I'll hang up, guys. Get to coming. I I saw this on Twitter too. I, I don't get on any other social media, Twitter, just so I can watch the little videos or whatever. But uh, whatever the Texas girl said to the uh, Louisville girl, um, <laughs> it it wasn't nice. I don't think. No. <laughs> so anyway, guys, I you know I just kind of said, wow, you know that didn't didn't look good. But uh, you know, then again. Uh, Juan Howard or whatever still coaching in Michigan. I, I thought he should have been banded forever for swinging a fist at, at a player. But uh, but anyway, or a coach. I don't know which one he swung it at last year. But uh, maybe after this year they'll go ahead and move on. And that's the whole big topic. You know they've been talking about this year. Like George, uh, what's the guy? George uh, Patrick Ewing. Right. You know, these guys that get go back to you know to their alma mater and coach. Uh, not a lot of that successful, don't look like. And I think it's probably time that Michigan move on with Howard as well, especially in basketball. You know, football might be a little different. I know Harbaugh's been pretty successful up there at Michigan, and I'm sure there's others. You know, Scott Frost struggled at, at Nebraska. Uh, but anyway, guys, that's one one thing I'd like to hear y'all's comment on. What, what do you think about uh, these players that uh, you know that that were great playing the game, but you know, they're not really good coaches. And then when you hire them, uh, what do you got to do to fire them? You know, how do how, how how institutions handle that, I guess you would say. Right. But anyway, I, I do enjoy uh, listening to your show. And uh, y'all, y'all guys keep up the great work. And I guess uh, by Monday we'll have a final four in place. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Keith, appreciate you. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate Keith for calling in right there. We're going to have to take a break in just a moment. But, uh, yeah, you know, when when you're looking at college coaches, pro coaches, all yeah. these guys, for the most part, played the game. Yep. Now, now right. they're somebody's alma mater. Now, they might not be a big-time alma mater. They may not have been big players in the NFL or the NBA or anything like that. Uh, but, but 
even I mean a lot of the successful guys played at some point, and then they certainly coached under a, a great coach or somebody right. uh, pretty quickly. And look, there is an influx right now, and I guess that's just the nature of of when some of these jobs came open. Uh, Carolina and Duke are married to guys that played for them, also were assistants for them under their legendary coaches, but uh, guys that played for them. Obviously, there's some famous, more famous guys like a Patrick Ewing that just got fired from Georgetown who, honestly, let's not sure, could have failed miserably yeah, there. definitely uh, was not. I mean, they gave know, him the shot, though. Right. So. You know, Juwan, probably gave him a longer bid than he probably should have. <laughs> right. Uh, Juwan Howard, who has struggled uh, at, at Michigan, they've not quite revived it to what they've been in years past. But uh, ultimately, still these guys that are at – or, or doing better jobs, they for the most part, they still played other places. They just right. didn't play where they're at. So I don't know if there's a, a dynamic to uh, struggling at your alma mater, you know, maybe getting, maybe not getting the job, getting that job, or maybe not being as deserving of that job, but you got it because it was your alma mater. Right. I, I don't know exactly there, but uh, certainly there are some failures recently uh, with guys at their schools, and it, it can happen to both sports. But, but right now in basketball, since it is that time of the season, we're, we're talking about it. And It's definitely uh, tough, I bet. We've had an influx of, of firings here recently and hirings. Carousel's been pretty wild, so uh, there is some of that going on. We are out of time for this segment. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us, and we'll start the wrap-up sports call. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Again, shortened show. Smith Station softball coming up at the top of the hour. So we only have another 30 or 40 minutes with you here today. And what better way to spend some of that time with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you're doing well today, sir. I'm doing well. How are you all? Doing very well. Uh, before we get to all the events of yesterday and the upcoming uh, spring practices and that sort of thing, let's put a lid on the Auburn basketball season with a couple questions to start off with. First, uh, talking about that Saturday game in Birmingham between Auburn and Houston, uh, a, a terrific first half for the Tigers. Obviously, things went vastly different in the second half. What did you What did you see from that game? What, what did Auburn do well in the first half, and then what did Houston do well in the second half? Just just how did that game transpire the way it did? I think that game was kind of a combination of things. I think it was basically Auburn's best game or one of their best performances of the season. Like we saw what Auburn is fully capable of in the first half of that game. Um, just the way they were sharing the ball and the way they were shooting, the way they were playing defense. It was just, this is really, really good. I think they kind of showed what their peak performance could be in that first half. However, uh, that came at a time when, you know, Houston wasn't really playing to their standard. I think anybody who watched that first half knows that Houston was not playing defense like they normally do. Um, you know, they weren't 
shooting like they normally do as well. And so at halftime, Houston made the adjustments, uh, and they just started playing like a one seed again. And when that happened, uh, Auburn just had a really hard time catching up and keeping up. Um, and so you saw a lot of the issues that we've seen this season from Auburn, like offensive inconsistency, um, struggling with really good guards uh, on on the defensive end of the floor. When those things kind of came together in the in the second half, it was just a really, really bad matchup for Auburn, and it started looking like the worst-case scenario for them. So it, it was it was weird because it's kind of fitting that Auburn ended its season with looking like, you know, what their, their real positives, like their strengths, were really standing out in the first half. And then their weaknesses really stood out in the second half as well. And so it kind of encapsulated the whole season in kind of one game. Um, and, and the fact that they were so competitive and so good, especially early against a great team, we saw, we saw that from time to time this season. Um, but it just never seemed like they could get over the hump consistently enough against uh, really, really good teams. And uh, Houston obviously – um, you know, figured it out in the second half. And so, um, you know, nothing to be ashamed of for Auburn losing to a team like Houston, but I think it's just kind of fitting with the frustrations of the season that you felt like you really had a chance to compete with them, and you did uh, for, for the first half, and it just it just went, it went out of control there in the second half one. And then, Justin, obviously everyone quickly pivots to what's next for this roster. Obviously, we know that the transfer portal is not unique to football. It is very active in all the sports, and we've already seen that in college basketball. So when we start to look ahead towards the coming months of what Auburn will have to do roster management-wise, what are some of the key decisions in your mind that Auburn's going to have to make their mind up on? And then uh, just what are the biggest needs for this team in the offseason? It's all going to start with what happens in the COVID decisions for uh, Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan. Uh, I think Auburn would love to have both of those guys back for a fifth year if possible, and we've seen a number of guys coming back for their fifth year in college basketball. Armando Baycott just making that big announcement today uh, for North Carolina. Like it's going to happen for a lot of these guys, and you know, for for a good number of these players, like you can make better money NIL wise staying in school than, you know, trying your hand and maybe being a second-round pick or UDFA or a G League guy uh, or playing overseas. So it'll be very interesting to see where Jalen Williams and Allen playing and kind of where they come down because I think that's where it all kind of starts for Auburn. Um, if you lose, say, a Jalen Williams, now you've got to sit here and say, okay, what is your plan at the four moving forward? And we've already seen Auburn, you know, they went after the uh, – the transfer, they least contacted a big transfer from Wofford, who's a stretch for. Um, there's been a number that they, they reset to a big man from TCU today as well, uh, who could, could fit in their system. Um, and then, you know, if Alan Flanagan leaves, you start to say, okay, well, there's a little bit more where you can say Auburn can replace a guy like, obviously, um, uh, Chance Westry would fit in, uh, you know, on that off-ball spot if you, if you want to play him there. Or you go and try to get another wing in the transfer portal, or try to, you know, kind of kind of load up there, um, and then you see who goes into the portal. Um, Bruce Pearl has, you know, didn't shy away from the fact that he thought that, or uh, I'll say this: Bruce Pearl said, "We will see who leaves in the transfer portal." And it's not that like Auburn's going to run guys off or anything like that. It's just a common fact of the, the portal. Last year it was Devin Cambridge. A couple of years ago it was a whole mess of guys. Um, you got to go. You can go all the way back to Davion Mitchell leaving Auburn. Um, you know, a few years ago, like it, that attrition is natural, and it's only going to accelerate. Um, you know, the, the more that the portal 
uh, becomes a thing, you know, and is established in college basketball. So for Auburn, it's just I think it hinges on what those two key guys do, those starters, and then you see what kind of ha- happens from there. I think they definitely need to upgrade their shooting. Um, they got better towards the end of the season shooting the ball, but it wasn't consistent throughout the year. Offensively, this was one of the weaker teams that Bruce Pearl has had, um, you know, since uh, since the, the 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 breakout year when they first won the SEC. Um, and and it'll be very interesting to see what they what they can do to really reload and replenish uh, in their backcourt. You only have Aiden Holloway coming in. You only have Zip Jasper guaranteed to leave. So there's a whole lot of directions that this roster can go in. But I think obviously offense shooting size and maybe the two and the three could really help them out as well and just guys could create for them and get buckets because there was just a hard time for Auburn this season um having that guy they could have that go-to player or just people who could create their own shot and you know it really hurt them in, in some of these games especially against teams who had that you know like an Arkansas like a like a Houston like an Alabama um and so Auburn really really needs to to reload from there but yeah this roster could go in a bunch of different directions um, because um, guys are going to be looking around and seeing who's coming in, who the other, who Auburn's recruiting already, and you know uh, you know where they stand, and um, some real playing time decisions are going to have to be made. A lot to keep an eye on for the next month or two with Auburn basketball for sure. So let's pivot now to football pro day yesterday for Auburn. We will start with the people we anticipated being there, guys trying to make the NFL for the first time. What did you see from guys? I, I, I know Shed Jackson, Tank Bigsby made a lot of headlines. What did you see from those yeah. guys and just anything else that stood out to you? Yeah, those two guys are definitely the big winners of pro day. Obviously, I think Shedrick Jackson running a crazy good 40 time. Unofficial, of course, but it was a super fast time um, that would put him among the best wide receivers in this class. Um, and then you've got, you know, a, a really good vertical uh, jump. That was really impressive to watch him do. He just tested well. I thought, thought he looked good on the on-field portions uh, of, uh, of Pro Day as well. And then Tank Bigsby ran a 40 at the combine that he didn't really like. He felt like he could do a lot better. Uh, he felt like he could, he could be faster at his Pro Day. So with his second shot at Pro Day, he runs that faster time. He gets to, you know, prove that, you know, he is, he is quicker than what he showed in Indy which obviously is going to help his stock. Uh, and then did a good job, I think, catching the ball out of the backfield and, and showing his versatility there because that's what the NFL wants first and foremost now from their running backs. If you cannot give you give any value in the passing game, it's going to be hard to get you, get you on the field these days. So, um, you know, I think I think those two guys were the big winners there. You know, we'll see about the, about the others. Um, you know, there were some good uh, numbers posted. I think when you see a guy like uh, – you see a guy like John Samuel Shanker pump out like 28 bench press reps, which which would have crushed any number that a tight end put up at the combine. You know that's the thing that can like him and Chad Jackson those those testing numbers. These guys aren't necessarily like drafted you know prospects right now. Not a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh yeah, these guys are definitely going to get get drafted. But it could you know performances like that can get you on the radar. And so when you get in those late picks, uh, those late rounds, or potentially being a priority undrafted free agent um those numbers definitely can can really help you out and so then there was a surprise visitor he was a large one uh cam newton comes uh, makes the announcement the night before that he's going to be throwing in auburn's pro day he arrives Uh, i know unfortunately media did not get to chat with him but but what did you see from him and obviously he still wants to be it seems like not only in the nfl but he still wants to be a starter in the nfl and Look, there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, did he help his case at all yesterday? I, 
I think it definitely helped. Um, it definitely didn't hurt. Uh, he made some really good throws and showed some really good arm strength for a guy who's, you know, he's closing in on, I think he turns 33 in less than two months. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to get back in the league. Everybody knows that once you're out, especially at a quarterback spot, like it's, it's hard to get back in. But he had a captive audience, and, um, you know, he, he's going to have a chance to at least get on somebody's radar. Um, you know, up and down day with his accuracy, but you can still see, man, he's got it when in terms of just that physical ability. You know, as as, as his brother said after after practice, it's not like he's been sitting on the couch for the past year, even though he didn't have a contract. He's been trying to get back into the league. So this was kind of a, a an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I still got it. If y'all if y'all need a quarterback, call me. Um, you know, I can I can still provide value. Um, but you know the big thing, as Caitlin Newton said afterwards, this was this was first and foremost uh, an opportunity for him to help out his younger brother. Auburn didn't have a quarterback in this class, so getting a guy to throw to him um, like like Cam was was kind of cool. Obviously, Shedder Jackson obviously took advantage of that as, as well. So um, it was a cool moment. It was a neat moment. It was great to see Cam back there. And as I wrote today in the Observer, it's kind of fitting, you know. With, with you know, he was famous for a comeback at Auburn. Um, you know, he's he's made so many great plays, and he's a, he's a program legend um, at this point. To see him come back and say, "Hey, you know, if I still if he still got some football left in the tank, him making this step towards that, um, if he is going to get another contract starting at Auburn again, I think it was it was really fitting to to, to see that. It's kind of a full circle moment uh, out there and. And we'll see if it uh, if, if it gets him any attention from from any of the teams because every NFL team was in the building here, there yesterday, so uh, he had a captive audience. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. One more for you, Ferg, before we let you get out of here and transitioning into spring ball here. Uh, kind of give us an update on the, the practice schedule and, and where Auburn is at in spring ball. I think the first scrimmage was, was sometime last week. So, so what's what's kind of the plan for practice here as we're nearing two weeks from May Day? Yeah, today what's actually going on right now is Auburn's eighth practice of, of, of spring ball, and they get 15. A-day is one of them, so you're about at the halfway point of spring ball. And, uh, you know, they'll have their first real scrimmage on Friday. Last sat- or, sorry, last Friday was more of a kind of situational, you know, uh, some extra team stuff more than an actual, you know, cut-and-dry scrimmage. Friday will be a real scrimmage. They'll have officials in. They'll, you know, you know, they'll be able to bring those guys in. And see what they, you know, have in like more of a real team setting. Team's got a lot of work to do. Uh, that was kind of the message you Freeze had uh, on on uh, on Monday when we talked to him. And that, you know, I think they like the energy. I think they like the effort. I think they like some of the strides that are being made at certain positions. But other positions, like quarterback, like wide receiver, like some other spots on the field, uh, Jack linebacker, they, they've got work to do. And, and so. That's to be expected. I think people need to keep in mind that you know Auburn has had back-to-back losing seasons. Um, you know you can't just rebuild it and snap your fingers overnight and get everything fixed. And so, especially with Auburn trying to get stuff going, two new systems, one on offense, one on defense. You don't have a you know there, there's no Nick Marshall, there's no Cam Newton. You know on, on this team right now, this this can't miss. You know instant impact transfer quarterback right now. So. In that case, you're you're building and you're trying to build up guys that are you know struggled last season at some of these key positions. So um, there's a lot of work to do, but that's what spring ball's for. And uh, I think Friday will show a lot about kind of where Auburn is and see if they can you know kind of take some steps forward uh, and and get closer to where they want to be by the end of spring. 
uh, with the end of the basketball season and spring ball coming up. For what do you got going on uh, with the Observer here over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been a busy week with the Observer. Like I said, I wrote about Cam today. Uh, also wrote um, you know about spring practices. So, so our observations from, from that earlier this week with our with our viewing window. You can check that out. Doing a story on Jeffrey Embaugh, who we got to talk to today. That'll be out tomorrow. We'll have a podcast. The mailbag comes back on Friday after a couple of weeks out uh, because of basketball. And so there's a, there's a whole lot going on. AuburnReserver.com. Check it out. It is uh, $6 a month, or you can go ahead and just pick $40 and get the full year so you get all the football season, pretty much all the back- basketball season next year uh, for the cheapest price that we, that we have. Everything we do, we email to you um, to your inbox about 6 a.m. Central Time, whether it is a newsletter or a podcast. And we've got something on Auburn football and Auburn, or Auburn basketball pretty much every day of the week. Uh, AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. We hope you have another great week, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Justin Ferguson one more time of the Auburn Observer. We're almost out of time for this show. Just a few minutes left. Nightly TV Guide coming up in just a couple minutes. But uh, Cam, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about Cam uh, at the uh, Pro Day yesterday. We spent a good bit of time talking about that. Um, you know, we, we had two different angles to kind of summarize yesterday. One was the angle that Cam presented, that he doesn't feel like 32 guys are better than him in the NFL. The other angle, though, is even if that is true, what is a what is that reasonable fit for a guy that used to be a superstar that seems like he is not really willing to be a backup, that he really still feels he's yeah. a starter, so trying to actually find a fit for him is what is seeming to be the most most difficult aspect of this. I think it's so the 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 thing with Cam is that and and even Trevon he's talked about this with Cam when he comes into a locker room he he instills an immediate presence because of the the way he is as a leader he's so vocal and and we know how he is as 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 a teammate and and as a player uh so I don't even think it's possible for him to be a backup. Like, not that he is unwilling to. I mean, you know, he might not be, but he comes into a, he comes into you know a locker room and he's the leader. It's just it's just how it is with Cam. It's just how he, it is with everywhere he's been. Uh, he he's not really he's not a backup type of guy. He's just a, a really vocal, really alpha type of player uh, and type of leader. Where it's not really possible for him to take a backup role because he's just gonna, he's such a star and he's just the way he is. Even if he's not the starter, I feel like the attention is still gonna be on him because everybody's gonna be waiting. Well, you know, when's when's Cam gonna play? Well, the starter's not doing great. You know, Cam's gonna get his time. It's coming. Cam's gonna get his time. I mean, even he just announced. You know, he announced that he was gonna be throwing at the pro day, and all of social media started posting cam highlights posting you know throwback things about him and his his mvp season um you know seeing if he's still got it and and all this stuff so there's always so much speculation around him whereas when it comes to fit i i was thinking about this actually i again i don't think he can be a backup that's just i and whether 32 quarterbacks are better than him or not you know I, i agree with what uh, Justin said about it's once you're out of the league, it's really hard to get back in, especially in that quarterback position. And his body's so beat up 
Um, and, you know, maybe he, even if he is 100% healthy, which it seemed like he was, he was able to throw the deep ball, everything was was there. Um, you know, the accuracy was still a little bit off here and there. Um, I feel like teams are more willing to take a flyer on a quarterback that they're willing to kind of bring in that's younger and develop than kind of hold on to that veteran that in Cam can't be a backup. He's just, it's just right. not in him. Yeah. Uh, it's just not. That, that's the part that, that we keep going back to and we came back to a little bit on the show yesterday. If you took Cam Newton, the person out of this, and you just only looked at Cam Newton, the football player, you could say, all right, find me a team that's, one, willing to, to carry three quarterbacks, and then two, is willing to have a quarterback uh, or has a, a less a little bit of a lesser quarterback that is willing to have a second quarterback in right. a package situation, exactly. right? A goal like a team that maybe doesn't run as well that 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 wants a goal line package with Cam because look, you know, it's not like throwing a great athlete in college out and taking direct snaps. I mean, right. Cam can still be a throwing threat, like he can throw a football ten yards and you know right. at the goal line. So if you put him in, yes, it screams run, but you don't have to. So you would need again someone that would, would carry three quarterbacks and then also be willing to have a, a, a full of packages. But then you throw in the personality aspect of it, and I just don't think Cam's just, willing to do that. It's not. But, he's just not. And, and, and so, unfortunately, like, you know, when I asked Justin, did, you know, was it a, a – overall, did he change the opinion or did, was it a good thing at Pro Day? Like, I just don't think throwing against Air is ever going to yeah, gonna do no, that. I don't, him, I, don't, you know? like, I don't think so either. As unfortunate as it is, I would I'd love to see Cam back in the league. I, I think all of Auburn would agree that you know we'd love to see Cam be back see, in the league one, and be one last stroke of brilliance. Yes, yeah. I would love to do that. I mean, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. Now I do see. I I just this kind of popped in my mind. A team that I think should and could benefit from having Cam is the Cardinals because. Kyler Murray is, you know, he's coming back from the the ACL injury, um, and he's not going to be healthy at the beginning of the right. season. And you know, no backup that they had. I mean, he was, you know, who who do they have? That's Colt McCoy, I think, is the backup. Was, yeah, they had two right. different guys. Oh, no, Mc, uh, was it Trace, Trace McSorley yeah. as well? I think for for a little bit, and I, I think uh, McCoy had got a concussion. Yeah, I you're right. It was, was McCoy then, and, Sor- and then McSorley was third. Yeah, McSorley being the third string. I think Cam, be- Cam is definitely better than both of those guys. Yeah. And I, I think he could fit the kind of – I don't know. You know, Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury is not there anymore, so maybe the system will change. Yeah. But it, you could benefit from having Cam right. there uh, as, as the veteran presence, at least to be your starter for however half the season until Kyler comes in. That's a good one because I'll say, you know, Arizona – they're they're one of two things next year. They're either trying to scrape out a nine and eight yeah. season to make a wild card whenever uh, Kyler Kyler Murray gets back, or they're they're, they're going to be bad. they're three and fourteen. Right. So very, very if they opt for the latter, then they're not bringing in Cam because they'll just roll with whatever right. backup they right. got and take their top to five draft bad. pick. Right. But if they want to try to win from the get-go, then, okay, I can see that's the right. situation. Because I was talking about there's so few situations. Few. It, it, even if you said Cam was better than the starter in so-and-so place, it's like, okay, well, then that team might not be any good. 
Right. And so do you want Cam to come in, who's probably not going to be good enough to carry a bad team to a playoff spot, but he might carry you from four wins to seven wins, and then all of a sudden, and again, that's if it's good, Cam. We, we, right. you, know, you could have you could. completely done Cam. <laughs> right. You're not guaranteed to have a decent Cam. But if you had a decent Cam that was worth the roster spot and was worth the starting position, he'll elevate you from four or five wins to seven or eight wins, and then you didn't really achieve much of anything because you didn't make playoffs. Now you're picking 15th instead of 5th. Right. <laughs> and you see, there's not really a lot of teams in the situation of Cam could do them good while not disrupting a long-term plan. Yeah. And, and that's, But Arizona, though, that could be a, a, yeah. a niche situation. But Definitely. I, I, I'll go on record saying I do not think that he will get another shot in the NFL, unfortunately. I, no, uh, I, don't, I, I said that yesterday. I, I, I don't think he will. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think so either. As much as I want him to, I I I just don't see it, you know, getting back in there. I just don't, you know, like I said at the beginning, he's just his personality, he's so alpha, so loud, so vocal yeah. in the locker room as a leader, you know. You can't have your backup quarterback being the leader, if that right. makes sense. Right. It's it's gotta be your starter. And if it's not Cam, then you know, I don't know. It's just not something that I see working out. It's yeah. just not. It's just- uh, the the big thing for me is, uh, you know, he's getting up in age. I think we he's about to turn. He'll be thirty four when the season starts. Yeah. Yes. So he's thirty four. So he's getting to the end of his time. And also, honestly, over his last few years, he's been really bad. Yeah, and it's and so that's but he's also been not dealt the best hand. Right? Well, he ha- he hasn't. But I mean, because and he's also had some injuries. But there's still things about his game. In the no, last yes. several years, it's just Some, not good. Right. Sometimes you're just like, oh, Cam, that's bad. Come yeah. on, man. But also, you know, with the Patriots, when he was on the Patriots, he he signed with the team. He was going to be the starter, and then he got COVID. And then he was he, he said on his podcast he was playing catch up all the way. Right. You know, from from that point forward, because they were adding layers on top of layers, and he couldn't even be around the team because he had COVID. So that kind of put him as a step back and didn't make him, you know, made him kind of look bad in games and different situations because you don't even know how Cam. We obviously all know he's a hard worker, and he has the talent. It's there. Um, but, you know, he, he's not able to – I don't know. It's just uh, it's just frustrating to talk about. I don't – I don't – I don't – I don't um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he had the opportunity for the nice ending in yeah. Carolina, but unfortunately right. he just didn't play well enough for yeah. it to be – And that coaching kind of staff nice was bad ending. either. They hung him out to dry. Yeah, and I mean that rule have, was terrible. That rule was but, terrible. Yeah, they didn't but, have an offensive line. It is, it's just he was he was not dealt very good hands at the teams that he was with, and so now that he's out of the league and he's trying to fight to get back in, uh, you know I think he kind of has a stigma around him kind of as well about the type of person that he is, and I think that's just his personality. He's just he's just a an, a really forward and an outward spoken leader as a teammate and. It, it, some people call it selfish and different things like that, and so it just. And again, I don't know. and again, I think that's why you know I, I think we have enough evidence to say that still even the passing element to it is fading, and and it was already not an elite passer in the league. Right. But that's why I'm saying if there was a world where he could accept a small role, I, he proved in Carolina the last time where he could run the ball still because right. he had five yards carry, five touchdowns. We went over that yesterday, but. Uh, unfortunately, I just I don't know the world that exists where he's willing to to take that role, and so uh, that might be the end. But it was certainly fun to see him at pro it day, was. It was and, cool. and we will obviously let you know if he ends up 
getting another chance. Out of time for the show today. Time for a nightly TV guy. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Fun night for me personally if things go the way I want them to. 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It's the NIT. UAB goes to Vanderbilt. UAB 27-win team. Watch Jelly Walker. Could be last time he plays college basketball. Maybe not. We'll see. But UAB at Vandy, 6 o'clock ESPN2. One other sporting event tonight, the Golden State Warriors at the Dallas Mavericks, 645 on ESPN. Lucas should be coming back from Dallas. Golden State's terrible on the road. Do not pick Golden State. I'm just going to tell you right now, on the road, those at home, please do. Go for it. They're great. On the road, they look more like the the Pistons. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and then other uh, movie picks for you tonight, 6 o'clock, The Avengers on FX, 6.30 on Sci-Fi Independence Day 2, and at 6.35 on FXM, it's The Greatest Showman. We are out of time for the show today. Again, this was another quick one. Smith Station softball coming up. They're playing Auburn High coming up here in just a few minutes. Brant Daughtry on the call of that one. Fun show today. Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you again next week. Absolutely. Cam, thank you for being here today as well. You'll be producing it for us here in just a little bit, and then we'll see you again on Friday. Yes, sir. And, of course, we thank all those that tuned and called in and thank Justin Ferguson for joining us of the Auburn Observer. For Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan Loy. Have a great Wednesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.